So, John, if you could bring any TV or film property to life and live as the main character in it for one week, which TV and film would you pick? Oh, you didn't prepare me for this. <laughs> <laughs> you should always be prepared, John. You never know when you're going to wake up in somebody else's shoes. It's true. Uh, it's just for a week and then I go back to my regular life. Mm-hmm. Okay. TV, Walter White. Okay. I think I'd like to just try being a complete badass for a week. I think I could pull it off. What do you mm-hmm. reckon? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, I'd be fascinated to see how that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be a short week. I'd have to be shot within five hours. Um, and film, I will say The Little Mermaid. With voice, though. I want the voice. Yeah. I don't just want to be mute. Good work. Well, for me, I put Harry Potter. Of course you did. Of course you did. Um, um, and for TV show, I just put the same, actually. There's a TV Harry Potter? No, 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 I put Walter White. Walter White, sure, okay. Yeah. Ah, okay. We're both obviously nursing this underlying desire to cook meth for a living. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, joining me as always is John. Hello. John, your film this week? It is my choice this week. What a film. What a film indeed. So this has been a long time coming. Because mm-hmm. I was really surprised when I found out you hadn't seen this film before. So as soon as I found that out, I took it away and the time felt right. So this week we are discussing Galaxy Quest. Mm-hmm. So, what did you think of Galaxy Quest? It's a bit mental, wasn't it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed it. I thought you would. I, I had a hunch you might enjoy this one. Yeah, it was really, really good fun. Yeah, I chose this because we're both kind of, we're both fans of Star Trek, I'd say. Maybe you slightly mm-hmm. more than me, but we're both, I grew up watching it. You've clearly grown up watching it. Mm-hmm. And this is a very good, very, very affectionate Star Wars, no, no, Star Trek tributes, I would say. Like parody and tributes at the same time. Okay, quick thing at the start of the episode. If anybody is drinking while listening to the podcast, this podcast... We recommend um, you are. Yeah, obviously. A uh, little drinking game for you. <laughs> Drink whenever one of us says Star Wars instead of Star Trek. It'll probably be me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drink twice if it's me. Fine. I feel like science fiction and um, especially, I mean, not so much now when it's obviously nerd culture has kind of taken over the world now, but certainly around the time this film was made, spoofing kind of sci-fi and sci-fi nerds, it's kind of low-hanging fruits. It's very easy to just make lazy jokes. But I think this film, the reason I like this film so much is that it does it in a very, as I say, very affectionate way, in a very clever way. Mm-hmm. And it's not just making the obvious jokes. It doesn't make sci-fi or sci-fi fans the butt of the joke particularly. It makes fun of certain tropes and certain things, but it's it really comes from a place that you can tell it comes from a place of real love. Mm, yeah. And it's also so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so so t- tell me some of the things you liked about this film. Uh, every moment with Alan Rickman. Oh, this may be my favourite Alan Rickman performance. <laughs> he is wonderful in this. He's great, isn't he? <laughs> He's perfect because he just looks like he really, really doesn't want to be there. Which I guess he didn't. And I, I do wonder why he did this film. I also wanted the same as Sigourney Weaver. Was this after a- the alien debacle that she had? What, what do you mean, how do you mean debacle? As, as in, like, she didn't want to come back for Alien 3, and then she came back for Alien 3 and had an awful time, and then she's like, Alien 4 is going to be the one. Mm. And then she came back for Alien 4 and had an even worse time. Yeah, no, I think it's after both. Certainly after Alien 3. Mm-hmm. Maybe after Alien 4, I'd have to check the timeline. Uh, no, both actors wanted to be in this. Uh, Alan Rickman was not a fan of sci-fi mm-hmm. at all, but he found the script hilariously funny, so he really wanted to be in it. <laughs> Despite being 
like he's wearing a mask or a head thing for the whole thing. Yeah. Like he's the one who looks the most ridiculous. I mean, mm. I get that's what his character is supposed to be. Yeah. But still. <laughs> I think Alan Rickman had a good sense of humour about himself. Yeah. This is the perfect role for him because he does always play these kind of grumpy, you know, grumpy is his kind of his shtick. Mm-hmm. He's really good at playing these kind of grumpy British characters. You can't be as successful as he was and not have a sense of humour about yourself. So I feel like he definitely had a sense of humour and that <clears throat> made this work. And yeah, Sigourney Weaver, they didn't want her in the film because they didn't want anyone in the film who was actually had a sci-fi past. History, yeah. history who was known for sci-fi. They wanted fresh actors. And she actually went and auditioned for this, which at that point in her career, and she was famous enough, she wouldn't normally have to audition, but mm-hmm. she liked it so much. And she thought, why would you not want the queen of sci-fi, which mm-hmm. she is, you know, mm-hmm. to be in this amazing sci-fi spoof. So she really fought hard to be in the movie. So... No, I think everyone just recognised that this was a really funny film. Mm. So, quick plot summary up top. Uh, so, this film stars quite a big cast, actually, uh, which I'm sure we'll discuss all of them at length, including Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Tony Shalhoub, Daryl Mitchell, Alan Rickman, and Sam Rockwell, mm-hmm. who we'll definitely get to, <laughs> as the former cast of a now-cancelled TV show, very, very loosely based around Star Trek. Yes. Yes. And now they're I, I would say, lo- I say heavily. Heavily, heavily. heavily, heavily yeah, that, not loose at all. Very heavily based around Star Trek. Yeah. That's the joke. Absolutely, yeah. They're a combination, I would say, of first season and next generation characters. Something in between the two. Sure, yeah. Yeah. The series been cancelled for many years and they're just on like the sci-fi convention circuit. This film came out around 1999, so it's kind of... I think Voyager was still on, but like it's definitely long before the, the movies, reboots, the, you know, the 2009 mm-hmm. reboots, etc. And certainly long before Discovery. So it's at a point maybe when Star Trek is a little bit passe yeah so they're kind of you know faded actors on the convention circuits and they're a little bit jaded they're a little bit kind of you know bitter about the way their careers have gone and then at some point they're approached by some actual aliens who they assume are just fans in crazy costumes who have watched the show and think it's a documentary well they don't think it's a documentary they just think it's real life they think they've just been receiving transmissions from Mm -hmm. this spaceship but like this is the sort of twist that happens like it it pictures them as though they are just fans because they're there amongst all the other people who dressed up like aliens and these people just look like they're dressed up like aliens because that's the way their race looks. Sure, they're indistinguishable and, and nobody's surprised by them at all for the first half of the film. Yeah, and and you don't realise that there's actually aliens going on until Tim Allen gets abducted by them. Mm. Um, of which they, I don't know if they hinted at or anything happening before, but just sort of, I predicted it coming and I was like, I'm not sure if it's going to happen or not, but if if that's not what this film is about, then that's what my sequel's going to be about. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they, they, they got there first. They did, yes. So they, get, <laughs> so they think that this TV show was an actual real thing, that, that the actors are the characters that they played. So they recruit the cast to help them to, to rescue what's left of their species from the threat of an alien invasion. I wouldn't really call it like an invasion, it's more of an extermination. More an extermination, yeah. There's like, they are the last survivors of their race, basically. Mm. Uh, and so they are depending on this, what they think is this crew of this space adventure, which is actually just a bunch of actors to rescue them, basically. And so the whole film hinges on these actors having to really become the characters they played all those years ago and become real heroes. Mm-hmm. And it's all played, well, I would say 90% for laughs. There are some genuinely upsetting moments in this film. Like what? There is the scene where, obviously there's a running joke in this film that we'll talk about with Alan Rickman's hatred of his catchphrase mm-hmm. by Grab Fars Hammer. Uh, and then, but obviously they all worship him. And there's a scene where one of the Fermians, are they called, I think? The alien race, yeah, the Fermians. Yeah. One of the Fermians gets killed. He gets yeah. shot. And then there's a really poignant little moment where Alan Rittman finally says the line again, but mm. with... With meaning. With, with gravity, yeah. And he actually, he overcomes it and he says, you, he really vows by Gravfar's hammer, you will be avenged. Mm. It's, it's genuinely quite sad because the, mm. the guy's like dying and he says, you know, even though we never met, I always thought of you as a father figure. 
And you know, Alan Rickman can sell ice cream to Eskimos. Like, another anecdote that would have just been a silly moment, but mm-hmm. I was genuinely a little bit choked up watching mm-hmm. that scene. And also the scenes where the main Fermion, the captain or the leader, is getting tortured quite horribly. And then Tim Allen has to confess to him that it's all a TV show and he's useless. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. And he's so upset. And it's mm. it's again, it's there. There are moments that that's why I think this film works because it's very broadly comedic. But there are moments when it actually, it does commit to its story. Mm. And so there are moments where it does give you an emotional payoff that it's kind of already earned as well. It's not an unearned emotional swing. It's it all fits. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's mostly a comedy, but it definitely has some sad bits. And yeah, and that's basically the film. You know us. I don't believe there is a man, woman, or child on my planet who does not. For years since we first received transmission of your historical documents, we have studied every facet of your missions and strategies. You've been watching the show? Lieutenant, historical documents. Historical documents from out here? Yes. The past hundred years, our society had fallen into disarray. Our goals, our values had become scattered, but since the transmission, we have modeled every aspect of our society from your example, and it has saved us. Your courage and teamwork and friendship through adversity. In fact, all you see around you has been taken from the lessons garnered from the historical documents. Is this a, a spaceship? Any favorite moments, favorite characters? You've said Alan, Alan Rickman, obviously, is amazing. Yeah, uh, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell, again, what's, yeah. What's going on with him? <laughs> it's so funny, I'd forgotten <laughs> Sam Rockwell was in this, because we obviously have just got our Oscar season, uh-huh. and uh, obviously Free Billboards was a major film this year. And watching that, I kind of thought, watching Free Billboards, I thought, oh, Sam Rockwell's kind of bordering on Hammy in this. And then I watched this, I, I thought, oh, I get it now. <laughs> this That's just who he is. That's, yeah. It's like this in everything. <laughs> I understand Sam Rockwell now. <laughs> they cast him because this is what he does. Like yeah. He is very full on as an actor. Yeah, he was. He's just the most entertaining point of any scene. Yeah. Any scene that he's there, he's easily the best part of the scene. I would say so true. Because I think him and Alan Rickman don't have a lot of interactions. So it's, it's no. either one or the other is stealing any scene they're in. Mm, and, yeah. then, and if any scene they're them in, someone else maybe gets a chance. Yeah. But they really are the scene stealers in this film. The rest of the cast all play characters who were like the stars of this show. Whereas Sam Rocker plays a character who played like a red shirt in one episode mm. who died. And then the running joke is he expects to die because he is, mm. he played the ensign. He's the most disposable one. And I love that his character is just called Guy for the whole film. Yeah. He, has no, he doesn't get certain until the very end. <laughs> so the whole film is just him, him being terrified that he's going to get killed off at any moment, mm-hmm. which, is, which was one of my favourite running jokes. Mm. He is very Sam Rockwelly. Yeah. He does a lot of shouting and screaming. And there's a great scene when they do get beamed up onto the ship and they're all kind of reacting to it. And he just, he just stands there and starts screaming. Mm. And apparently that wasn't in the script. So if you watch that, you, you watch Sigourney Weaver's face behind him, she's genuinely reacting to Sam Rockwell just like really? screaming. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So you guys came. Who wants the grand tour? <laughs> Anybody else? But yeah, so we have Tim Allen basically doing the William Shatner, mm. I would say. Really yeah. doing a William Shatner. Like yeah, he's, yes. he's got the poses down pat, you know, all the mannerisms. Like, there's a winning joke where his shirt comes off. and oh, yeah. just, there's, It's those little details I love. Like. Yeah. It comes back on and it just doesn't like Alan Rickman or somebody saying, you had to get your shirt off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then it's like he picks up another one. Yeah. And it's, it's already ripped. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, that was what it was like in the original Star Trek. Any time William Shatner would get his shirt off, he would. Uh, and then you've got Sigourney Weaver, who's kind of playing, I guess, the closest would be 
Diana Choi from Next Generation. The token woman. Yeah, the token woman in any stuff. Well, but Next Generation didn't really have a token woman because it had a few. It had hair and crush it, but she was... I felt like the... It had Tasha Yar. Tasha Yar for Don't forget season. Tasha Yar. So, who could forget Tasha Yar? I do apologise. How dare you? I'm sorry. She did have so many memorable storylines. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, I thought that the, there's a running joke with her character is that her one job is to repeat what the computer says. Mm-hmm. Like the computer will say, you know, we're now approaching this planet, and she goes, "We're now approaching this planet, Captain." And it, it, it's a running joke. She's just all she does is repeat what the computer says. And that was Diana Troy's thing was that she was psychic, or she mm-hmm. was empath. She was an empath, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. But all she would ever do would be to state the bleeding obvious. Like, yeah. It was, it was really that. Yeah. And I really loved her little breakdown. Like I have one job to do, and I know it's stupid, but God damn it, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> computer, what about the engines? Why don't we have power? The beryllium sphere has fractured under stress. It's fractured. Can it be repaired? Computer, can it be repaired? Damage to beryllium sphere, irreparable. Ugh. New source of beryllium must be secured. We need another one. Uh. <clears throat> Computer, is there a, a replacement beryllium sphere on board? Computer, is there a replacement beryllium sphere on board? Negative. Uh. No reserve beryllium sphere exists on board. No, we have no extra beryllium sphere on board. You know, that is really getting annoying. Look, I have one job on this lousy ship. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it, okay? Sure, no problem. Yeah, and they had a lot of jokes at, at her expense in terms of like the costume as well. And did you notice... At the, at the end when she was just completely unzipped? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is no... I, I, I'm sure that was that was a deliberate joke, but yeah, it's like literally from one scene she's fully zipped up and then it cuts to another scene and suddenly her boobs are just hanging yeah, out. she's not fully zipped up and then straight down. Like, it, it, it finds its way down. Or does down. it work its way down? As yeah, it goes yeah, along? yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's essential, but weirdly Sam Rockwell's doing the same thing. <laughs> don't know if you noticed. I didn't notice that. But look, his was equally low. <laughs> just it's less noticeable because it doesn't stick out, but yeah, it was weird. <laughs> I didn't. Know I mean, I, I I get the joke for her doing it, but I didn't know why Sam Rockwell was doing it. <laughs> Maybe he was just doing it to copy. I don't know. Perhaps. <laughs> what I did notice about his, which I thought was a really nice little detail, was that his uniform was really ill-fitting. Mm. Everyone else's was obviously you know a proper costume, mm-hmm. and his was, was way too baggy and big on him. Like because obviously he's only been in one episode, so he's not like yeah. he hasn't got like a proper suit. So just a little thing I enjoyed. Mm. Then we have Tony Shalhoub from the TV series Monk mm. playing Quan. Fred Kwan. Who was this guy? What did he do? He was the guy who always seemed to be stoned. Is he the engineer? The engineer, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I loved him just wandering around not being surprised by anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and always eating. Do you notice, it was that, do you notice that scene where, oh, again, this is, he's definitely playing a stoner. There's a scene where they're on this away mission after they've been beamed up. Mm. And they're all like on, in the little escape pod to the foreign planet where they have to get the mm-hmm. fuel source. He just got a little tub of hummus and some pizza bread. He's just like munching away. Just made me laugh. <laughs> little thing. So many little jokes in this film. Watch it a second time. You'll pick up things you haven't seen the first time. Sure. Great. Yeah, he's really good. I think he was supposed to be the idea of the characters who play not the race they are. Because mm. it's only a little throwaway joke, but at the beginning, he's definitely doing like the, the narrow eyes, like Asian accent. Mm-hmm. So I think that, obviously he's not Asian. The actor is not Asian. So I think that was the joke. They didn't really beat you over the head with that one. Mm. But yeah, he's that. But the main thing about him is that he is really unflappable and just completely accepts anything that happens yeah and then there is uh, Daryl Mitchell plays the Wesley Crusher analogue yeah <laughs> Which, but also the pilot and the pilot yeah it's kind yeah. of the least to, they could have done more with that I felt you think he got he, did, he got the least to do I feel no I think I think he did he had some really good stuff like at the very start just like glad I'm not commanding this real ship and then just like and pilot takes out oh 
Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed that. And then that whole scene afterwards of just like him scraping it along the edge. Yes. The... Like scraping the name off the side of the ship. Yeah, the very <laughs> slow kind of, yeah, disembarking. That was pretty good, yeah. Yeah, that I, was good. I mean, that was obviously his standout scene and yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. really have much else to do after that. No. Well, I just felt they could have done more with like the fact that Wesley Crusher is famously like a hated character in like Star mm. Trek. Like, oh, I, yeah, true. It would because. I did laugh really hard when he first appeared in the flashback where you first see like the actual TV show and he's an actual child. Yeah. Like Wesley Crusher was like 15, 14 or something. Mm. Whereas this was like an eight year old being like controlling the ship. It was mm. really, it really made me laugh. But I, I wish they'd done a bit more with that. Oh, we hated your character kind of thing. Mm. But they didn't really choose to go with that in, down that route. But yeah. it was still good. He just, I think of everyone he had the least to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we talked about Alan Rickman. Obviously he plays um, Spock. The Spock role basically, yeah. And he's like a very theatrical actor who takes himself very seriously and he's really bitter about the fact that he's only remembered for this one show mm. and he's got this catchphrase by Grabfar's Hammer which every time he said it made me laugh mm-hmm. <laughs> just the complete resentment like, what was your favourite Grabfar's Hammer moments? maybe at the start when he has to go off on stage and mime it yeah um, I'm not too sure I don't remember many of them that much I really liked it when they went when you've they clearly were, seen this film a lot more than I have I, have, I yeah I, I really love this film <laughs> I really loved the bit when they're at the shopping mall mm-hmm. and he has to say, and it's just his delivery, it's so good. I'll put a clip in here. But his delivery where he just goes, with utter resentment, like, by Grabfar's hammer, what a savings. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great Alan Rickman delivery. I loved it. Take it from us. We've been all over the universe. But we've never seen space age values like we've seen here at Tech Value Electronic Superstore. By Grabthar's hammer. What a savings. All right. Yeah, let's hear it from the NSEA. Yeah, as you mentioned, he's never seen without his headpiece, mm. which I thought was really good. Like, even when he's in his flat, like mm. there's a scene where he's on the phone to Sigourney with his character. It's not on properly, but, not it's, properly, still, but it's, it's still there. You never see him with it yeah. off, and that's just a great little detail. It's good. I, I really like that because it would have really been quite the kind of thing like, oh. He looks like a completely different person now. Yeah. Although I did like at the end when it's all like ripped to shreds and he's just got like a long lock of blonde hair coming out. It's like, is he blonde in this film? Yeah. What's going on? You never know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> but I seen that Love Actually was his natural colour and that was sort of like a dark brown, wasn't it? Yeah. And get, yeah, that was a few years later. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was just a little, another little detail. This film has lots of funny little details. So maybe just thought it'd be funny if Alan Rickman was blonde. So, mm. I don't know. I actually didn't notice that. So that's one thing you noticed I didn't. Yes. But, uh, yeah. What did you think of the aliens? The Thermians? The good aliens. Mm. They were great fun. They were a really, really good impression of Star Trek aliens. Yeah. <laughs> just like complete shit. This is just how... Walk a little bit weird, say weird things, and you're wearing white makeup. <laughs> the cad- <laughs> Speak weirdly. Yeah, the cadence of the voice killed me. It was yeah. so good. <laughs> Everything was at... I, I actually can't do it. I'm not you have saved our people. That's it. That's much better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, everything's just at the same tone. It's great. And the weird... The, the laughs and the clapping. Oh, I forgot the laughs. Was it like a... It was, it was like a... Uh, it was like a seal barking. It was like... Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> it's great. The clapping was a sort of vertical Yes, clapping. it was like... Yeah. Weird. Really, really. Just lots of like, funny little... It was good, yeah. yeah. It was just a good way to sort of be an alien while still actually being human. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Is there no one on your planet who behaves in a way that's contrary to reality? You are speaking of deception, lies. lies. 
We have only recently become aware of this concept in our dealings with Ceres. Often Ceres will say one thing and do another, promise us mercy but deliver destruction. It is a concept we are beginning to learn at some great cost. But if you are saying that any of you could have traits in common with Ceres, <laughs> so some some facts about this film that I dug up, which okay. I think you'll appreciate. In 2013, this film was voted the seventh best Star Trek movie of all time. <laughs> 2013. All right. So we had 11 Star Trek movies at that point. Sure. And this was the seventh. Yeah. That's that's unfortunate. Okay. I mean, would you argue that it's not better than Insurrection, Nemesis, and probably at least three of the William Shatner ones? Uh, I would actually say Insurrection and Nemesis are great movies. You okay. take that right back. Okay. You dickhead. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> really? Even Nemesis? Yeah, Nemesis. Nemesis is one of the best ones. Even the cast hate Nemesis. It's great. All right. Nemesis was the third one of the um, no, Next no, Generation ones, right? No, it was the fourth and the last one. The, yeah, the last the one that killed the Next Generation franchise. It's the one where Tom Hardy's playing a young Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. They crash the ships into each other. It was an outstanding scene. Okay. Oh, well, well, I can't remember much about it. All I know is that the cast of Next Generation famously hate it. I don't care. They, they all did a great job. Okay, fine. But So you don't think this is the seventh best Star Trek movie? Uh, well, there were some shit Shatner films. Well, there you go. So whatever order you want to place them in, just, yeah. Mm. Sure, sure, yeah. I'll, I'll take seventh. I, I guess you've not written down the full I've not written down the full order in which they were voted. No, you can look it up in your own time. Cool. Yeah, uh, and also many Star Trek actors have come out and said how much they enjoy this film mm-hmm. and how much they like. Like, um, how have I forgotten that guy's name? Jean Luc Picard. Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Uh, Patrick. <laughs> yeah. So Patrick Stewart said he initially didn't want to see it because he thought it was going to make fun of Star Trek, and then he watched it and loved it. He absolutely loved it. Um, he, he regularly makes fun of Star Trek I all the time. <clears throat> yeah, but I think it, like, he's like, I can make fun of it, but I don't want to... I don't know, he probably thought it was just going to be really like low blows, but... I don't he know. makes fun of everything. Isn't he the guy who coined the phrase, acting? True, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just what he said. I just That's what Wikipedia says he said. <laughs> you, uh, didn't, you didn't go and speak to him in person? I didn't actually conduct interviews with this now. He so lives I, nearby. He do, Well, some, I'm pretty sure he lives in LA. He, he grew up nearby. I don't think he actually lives nearby. I think he does. Really? Yeah, I think he lives in like Skipton or something. That can't be true. Just because he's a rich actor doesn't mean he lives in LA. They don't all live there. He works so much, though. That's a hell of a commute from Skipton to LA. He goes into a studio. He doesn't do much... On camera? Yeah, much on screen. The occasional film, but... Okay, well, let's stalk him. He generally just does American Dad. True, I guess. He's really picky with his projects these days, the Emoji movie. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, George Takai... Described it as a chillingly realistic documentary. <laughs> uh, yeah, the only Star Trek actor who didn't have entirely positive things to say about it was William Shatner, surprise, surprise. Oh, really? Who said he didn't know what Tim Allen was basing it on, but it definitely wasn't him. <laughs> <laughs> the joy of self-awareness. <laughs> Great. Yeah. But one thing I like about this film, and that this is something that Patrick Stewart mentioned as well when he talked about it, was that he really liked the fact that the, the thing that saves the day is the fans. Mm. Like the thing, the end at the end of the day, like the Deus Ex Machina, the thing that saves them is the fact that the fans know the show better than they do. Mm-hmm. So you get this whole like last twenty minutes is basically Justin Long and the other kind of you know fans of the show because the, the ship that they're on, the Fermian ship, is built entirely around the 
the exact the exact, spe- the exact events of the ship. The exact specifications of the ship. Yeah. So they're literally guiding them through it, like where everything is. They know better than the actors do, which is mm-hmm. very obviously very probably rings very true to the actors in Star Trek that mm-hmm. fans know the show way better than they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed the bit where Sigourney Weaver and Tim Allen are going. Do you reckon through fans know our podcast better than we do? I'm sure some do. I don't like that. Really? This is our thing. <laughs> Get lost. Stop listening. <laughs> Great marketing, Harry. <laughs> Keep listening. Please. <laughs> but yeah, I like the scene where Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver are going through the bit with the giant pistons. That are, yeah. And that's one of my favourite Sigourney Weaver bits. When she's like, this doesn't make any sense. Why is this here? Why would this possibly be here? This episode was badly written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. Brandon, we're across. Now what? You want to take a left and then just straight on through the chompers. Chompers? Well, screw that. How are we supposed to get through this? Hollister, do you have the sequence yet? Okay. The sequence is two, two, four, two, two. What is this thing? I mean, there's no useful purpose for there to be a bunch of choppy, crushy things in the middle of a hallway. No, I mean, we shouldn't have to do this. It makes no logical sense. Why is it here? Because it's on the television show. Well, forget it. I'm not doing it. This episode was badly written. Okay, Commander, now, as soon as the first crusher... Drinking games? Sure, yeah. I have a lot for this one. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so my first one is drink for Sigourney Weaver reaction shots. Yeah. Just when she reacts to something. There's lots of cuts of her just like when someone else does something, she, she gives good background reaction. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, drink for any foreign language. Oh, okay. By foreign language, do you mean alien languages? or? That's not English. Sure, yeah. So it's foreign. Okay, great. But like, there's no uh, for foreign languages. Is it just the Fermian language? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, just alien languages. Sure, okay. Is it just Fermian we hear occasionally? Yeah, I think there's a few bits at the um, at the start though at the convention. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, like people talking. Well, it wouldn't be Klingon, but yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, sure. Uh, obvious one. Drink every time the phrase "by Grabfar's hammer" is uttered. Fair. That'd be a good one. Yeah. Drink for any line which could be said by either the captain or by Buzz Lightyear. Oh yes, that is good. Mm-hmm. There's some. Yep, I like that. Drink every time Sam Rockwell freaks out. Mm-hmm. Some very good Sam Rockwell freakout scenes in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, drink for Star Trek tropes. Star Trek tropes. Oh, yeah, I had that one too. Uh, so we had, obviously, Tim Allen has his, you know, William Shatner poses and his shirtlessness and everything. Mm-hmm. We have the away mission. What else did you pick up on? I mean, red it's the whole shirt, film. The, the, the red yeah, shirt, yeah. The red, the red shirt stuff. Mm. All the aliens just being a little bit shit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, sure. And my last one. Drink every time the actors cause an enormous amount of collateral damage. Ah, oh, see, that was my last one, was uh, drink solidly while the actors mow down a car park full of fans. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that felt like people would have died. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, or at the very least, people have, like, their cars have been destroyed. Like, yeah, they're going to get sued to fuck. Yeah, and there's probably some people who have left their pets and maybe their babies in, in, in the car. Yeah. yeah, I don't think this film has a zero body count for humans at all. No, but, yeah. no. But not even that, like, well, obviously there's the bit we talked about where they're leaving the docking bay and the whole ship just gets scratched horribly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bit where they beam the rock monster onto the ship mm-hmm. so that he can defeat the aliens, the bad aliens. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he's just smashing up the whole ship. Like, that that's a short-sighted plan. <laughs> yeah. Like, the damage he must be doing, that giant rock creature. Like, they beam him back at the end? I think they beam him into outer space at the end, don't they? No, so. he just throws off into it. He break, breaks out through he an breaks, Yeah, which is surely going to cause huge amounts of problems. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, lots of collateral damage. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm done. So go ahead. Uh, the last one was uh, Drinkford Chests. Chests, as in human chests? Like, yeah. Also, like Sigourney Weaver and Tim Allen and Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like it. anything else we need to talk about with this one? Uh, so, should we get to some sequels then? I believe you're first since it was my film. Patreon. Oh, Patreon. Yes, of course. How could we forget? Uh, we are now on Patreon, but mm-hmm. Beyond the Box Set is now on Patreon. So, if you are a fan of the show and you would like to show us some extra love, we'd really appreciate it. We have a whole host of fabulous bonus incentives which are available to you on a pay-as-you-feel tier system, which means that you can pay as much or as little as you like and everyone gets access to the same benefits. So whether you don't choose to donate $2 a month or $15,000 a month, you will still get the same stuff. Although if you do donate $15,000 a month, we'll make it worth your while somehow. We'll come out and meet you wherever you are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you'll have to put up with us for a week, you know. And also that's not optional. We'll be there. It's a monthly thing, so are we going to go every month? Uh, for how long? How much of our lives are, we, are they getting? I'd rather not spend that much time with you, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> with me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you already see me way more than once a month. Yeah, but like, if, if I don't have to spend like, you know what, 12 hours on a plane with you. Sure. Every month. Oh, wow. Ouch. Okay. What are we going to talk about for 12 hours straight with no stimulation? I'm not sure. Oh, there's clouds outside. Woo. Hey, Look, John, for 15 you- grand, just suck it up. Hey, John, if you were a cloud for a week, what would you be? What a... Save that for our uh, up episode <laughs> or something. <I> don't know. <laughs> yeah, so if you support us, we have bonus content available, mm-hmm. such as a weekly... Weekly? Hmm. Yeah, uh, a regular, a somewhat regular. <laughs> we try at least one a week. Sometimes it's more. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. We aim for more. We aim for more, yeah. um, Where we uh, review films that are cinema releases. Yes. Um, I don't know what our last one is. Uh, our most recent one was Red Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, might, might have changed by the time this episode comes out. By the time this comes out, it might be something else. Uh, depending. Yeah. Um, and we also, for any patrons, you can become a character in one of our ideas. Yeah. Send us your name, send us any details you want included. They can be made up. Yeah. You don't need to give all your personal information. We know what the current state of that is in the world. Yeah. <gasps> Politics. If you give us your um, mother's maiden name, your sort code, <laughs> and your, uh, your, your first pet address, and yeah. the street you were born. That'd be great, you, yeah. We'll yeah. work it all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we'll get that all in. Also, once a month, we do a little ad slot. So for any of our patrons, you can advertise anything you want to for 30 seconds on our show. Yep. Could be your own podcast, could be a business you run, could be, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe you saw a nice advert on telly <laughs> and you wanted to talk about Tesco for a bit. Whatever it is, we'll talk about it. Or you talk about it. Sounds the thing. Yeah, know. you can record a 30 second ad slot or we will do it for you. And one of our Patreon supporters has decided that we should do that on their behalf. Mm-hmm. So I'm now going to talk about a fabulous podcast called The Contrarians Podcast. This is a genuinely great podcast. I'm happy to talk about it because I really like them. They're fun. This is a movie podcast uh, with two guys, Alex and Julio. And basically, I guess the theme of this podcast is if you like it, they probably hate it and vice versa. <laughs> there are two two film fans with strong opinions. Okay. So every week they take a classic film and then they shit in it a little bit or they'll take a not so classic film and they'll big it up a little bit. That's generally how it works. They're very funny, very well informed. Mm-hmm. I believe Julio is a professional script editor or script proofreader or something. So you've got some very informed, intelligent perspectives on the films. It's a great listen. They've got really great banter. Uh, you can find them on iTunes or SoundCloud, probably many other places too. Just search The Contrarians Podcast or visit their website, uh, wearethecontrarians.com. Julio is a great friend of Beyond the Box Set. He often contributes sequel ideas. You can find him at Ovnio on Twitter, at O-V-N-I-O. And he's going to actually be a guest. This is normally what we do at the end, but uh, I'll come back to it. But he's actually going to be a guest on our next episode where he's going to share one of his favourite films, which I'll reveal at the end of this episode. Oh, lovely. I can't wait. Yeah. So 
The Contrarians podcast. We are the Contrarians.com. Check it out. It's great. Thank you, Julio, for all your support. Great stuff. And so, just to, to round that off, if any of you want to become a patron of us and give us a little bit of support, then please go to patreon.com slash beyond the box set. Yes. Thank you very much. We love you. All right. What are we doing? Well, all that flogging's out of the way. <clears throat> now it's time for your sequel. Okay. So mine doesn't really have a title. Okay. Because it's a bit of a last minute idea, but I Well, think... that's so new for you. I, th- I, think, I think I've pulled it off. Okay, sure. Yeah. It's... I'll let you know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good one. Okay, so... After the resurgence of Galaxy Quest from the events of the of the main film, the franchise has done marvellously. Okay. You know, they crashed into that convention and everybody saw it. It was a brilliant show. Mm-hmm. So, although now the original series is no longer on air, there have been several spin-off shows. Okay. The first one being Galaxy Quest, The Later Descendant. The Later Descendant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is a new show about the USS Protector D. Mm-hmm. Which brings a more '90s take on the show. There's new crew, new stories, new special effects, and so goddamn many holodeck bottle episodes with a mm. uh, blind engineer <laughs> called Scouse. Oh dear! Just think of Geordie. Scouse. Geordie Scouse, yeah, yeah. like it, like it. Yeah. And the android called Info. Info. <laughs> what could that be referencing? <laughs> the next one is called Galaxy Quest Journey. Journey. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the USS Journey gets flung into a distant quadrant of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. He has to make many ethical decisions and spend the first two seasons getting bogged down in politics. <laughs> Luckily, they run into a race of robots and switch the small-breasted female crew member for a bit of an upgrade. Now every episode is about three of ten. Yes. Coincidentally, that is the show's current rating. Three out of ten. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, the next one is called Galaxy Quest Far Distance 8. Far Distance 8, okay. Mm-hmm. You, you know Deep Space Nine was before Voyager in the chronology, right? I knew you were going to say that. Yes. Essentially a soap opera set in space, which is apparently one of the best Galaxy Quest shows there's been. Apparently the special effects are better, the stories are better, the characters aren't as annoying as you think, and it's got incredible space battles. Mm. But this is only from season six onwards, and so far today only three people have made it past the first five, which was the backup director, the key grip, and uh, Jason Nismith, that's Tim Allen. Who is uh, he was actually the best boy in the show. Oh, wow. Well, his career's really gone down since... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that, though, Deep Space Nine. Takes a long time to get going, but it is worth it at the end. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, right, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit through five seasons of 45-minute episodes. Well, you're not busy. The next one, Galaxy Quest Protector. Sure. Which is about the first ship to go by the name of Protector. Mm-hmm. It's a prequel to the original series. For the first time, features lyrics in the theme tune, sung by Eiffel 65. Oh dear God. Nobody liked the show, and everyone was waiting for the captain to say his catchphrase from his previous sci-fi TV show. Oh my. (laughs) In the show's final episode before it was cancelled, it turns out the entire series was a dream. Beautiful. Ironically, that's not me spoofing on the last thing. No, I know. I I remember. Well, it it wasn't a dream. It was a... um... Politic? Yeah, it it was a simulation. Sure. It's, it's one of the most magnificent fuck yous to any show's fan base I've ever seen. It's beautiful. Where Enterprise ends with Troy and Riker from Next Generation just going, oh, that was a fun simulation. And then, boom, end of show. Excellent. Now, while all these spin-off TV shows were happening, there was a film series. Oh, okay. Featuring the original Galaxy Quest cast. Okay. So it starts off with Galaxy Quest, the movie, mm-hmm. which was, let's just say that's what was happening at the end of uh, the film that we've, we're reviewing. Sure, yeah. Which was followed up by Galaxy Quest 2. The Annoyance of Cooney. The Annoyance of Cooney. The Wrath of Khan. The Wrath of Khan. Who's Cooney? Khan. Cooney. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> go with it, John. Go with okay, it. Okay, I'm going with it. I'm going with it. I'm sorry. Cooney? 
Clooney? Like George Clooney? There's not logic in this. No, sure. Okay. Okay. Galaxy Quest 3. The look around there for Lazarus. Where is he? Okay. I I see where that came from. Mm -hmm. Galaxy Quest 4, the drive back. The drive back? Oh. That is the budget starting to slip up. And just all the camper van, like, oh, God. Yeah. Galaxy Quest Five, the last line. The last line, okay. The Galaxy Quest Six, the place that no one's found just yet. After these first six films, mm-hmm. um, there was a film which featured the cast of the Galaxy Quest, The Later Descendant, which was the first spin-off show. Sure, yeah. Arguably a more popular show. Mm-hmm. That one was called Galaxy Quest Old and Not So Old. Old and Not So Old. <laughs> oh. <laughs> This really needs a copywriter, <laughs> this series. Um, this was then followed up by one of the best Galaxy Quest films that there's ever been. Hell yeah. The one that had lots of robots in it called Galaxy Quest First Impressions. First Impressions, yep, agreed. Great film. <laughs> Great side characters. Lots of good acting. Lots of good acting. Um, and then followed up by one of the uh, the lowest rated Galaxy Quest films, Riot of the Stretchy Faces. Riot of the Stretchy Faces, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then followed up by a great film. Okay. It's a great film, John. Okay, sure. It's called Galaxy Quest. Tom Hardy's in this one. Tom Hardy's in this one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can tell it's great by the way it's selling itself with that title. (laughs) Please watch it. Tom Hardy's in it. It's not even famous yet. After the greatest film, the show lost all interest. Which always happens after the greatest. Nobody watched it. This was about the time that uh, Galaxy Quest Protector was cancelled as well. Sure. And Eiffel 65 never sold another record. Mm. Yeah, they didn't really think that through, Harry and Eiffel 65. About, limited repertoire. About five years later, there was a new film that came out with a new cast. Okay. Playing the same characters as the, as the original series. Mm-hmm. With the first film called Galaxy Quest, The Reboot. The Reboot, okay. It was then really well received. Mm-hmm. And so followed up a few years later by Galaxy Quest, To Where the Sun Doesn't Shine. Okay. And is, that uh, the, is that some kind of porn the, parody? In, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This was then turned into a trilogy and concluded with Galaxy Quest Somewhere Else. <laughs> Somewhere else. <laughs> I'm um, just imagining a room full of writers like, oh God, somewhere else. <laughs> can we go to, Can we go home now? <laughs> yeah. And uh, two years later, this was actually picked up as a TV series by, well, a bit modern at the time, um, an internet company known as Netflix. Okay. I don't know if you heard of it. Uh, a bit obscure. But... Um, and they... Uh, put out a TV show called Galaxy Quest Found It. Galaxy Quest Found It. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now this new show has completely remade all the visuals. Mm-hmm. Everything's been updated. The look of the characters, the amount of swearing, there's torture, there's nudity, there's realistic violence and gore. Like it doesn't all look like costumes. Mm-hmm. Somehow it's allowed to be watched by 12 year olds. Sure. No one knows how this happens. The show is incredibly divisive as the entire thing is spoken in a made-up language, which even the Galaxy Quest fans only actually pretend to speak. <laughs> Meanwhile, a competing franchise known as uh, Galaxy Battles oh. is on its ninth super successful film. It's about to break $10 billion of worldwide income mm-hmm. from its films, not to mention its toy industry, and is largely considered by 100% of people to be literally the best thing ever. What's that based on? Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars, right. So, <laughs> right. Okay. So I don't know why I didn't pick up on that. That's that. Okay. So that's not really so much a sequel as just a, a, ma- a movie marathon. Well, yeah. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, I like it. That's what you've done there. So, yeah. Very good. Great. Don't know what, don't know what your tone of voice is doing there. What's it's like, like, well, it's not really a sequel, is it, Harry? It's not like you've um, got the idea right. What's... 
No, hey, hey, no, if you feel creatively satisfied with that, then that's all that matters. So. Well, I do. Then good. Good well, work. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> no, I think that's good. It's a lot of... Um, it's, it's very true to the Star Trek. All right, Trek be universe. more condescending. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, where are you going? To see if there's a pub. I have a confession to make. Mm-hmm. There's a reason I wasn't 100% on board with that whole idea. Well, because you've done the same thing? I've done the exact same thing. <laughs> well, more or less. So, there's some differences, but we've pretty much gone along the same route. So, yeah. Kind of annoyed that you got there first. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, mine is called Galaxy Quest, the final franchise. Mm-hmm. And it's a mockumentary rather than a... Yeah, I think it's a mockumentary film. Kind of like Best in Show or something. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's based on the idea that the original Galaxy Quest kind of came out at this time, as I mentioned earlier, where kind of Star Trek wasn't particularly cool. You know, it was the tail end of Voyager, it was before the films got rebooted, etc. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of catch up on like where the franchise went after that, much like you did. And also this has to deal with the, something that we didn't really talk about, uh, which is, of course, that sadly... Um, Alan Rickman passed away? Yeah, sadly Alan Rickman has passed away mm-hmm. since this film came out. So any sequel would have to deal with the fact that he wouldn't be in it. Mm-hmm. So... My concept is that this is actually a 18 years after the original film. It's a reunion documentary. Like the cast are all brought back together for a TV reunion uh, in tribute to Alexander Dane, who has sadly recently passed away. Mm-hmm. He, he obviously is Alan Rickman's character. And so we just find out kind of what happened next. So it turned out that the Galaxy Quest TV revival, I assume they'd revived the whole TV show rather than make a film. So the TV revival has uh, bombed, the one that we see at the end of the film. So we, we get some kind of flashback stuff about how and the, the actors talking about how the ratings dive-bombed after the first three episodes. Uh, so the, the producers tried to sex it up by bringing in hot young characters with nonsensical plot lines. There's a sexy robot alien called 8 out of 10. <laughs> Literally use the same joke. Um, <laughs> uh, and the main characters just get completely sidelined. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a mix of kind of what happened with Voyager, like you mentioned, where as soon as they brought in Seven of Nine, the rest of the cast just got totally like put to one side and every mm-hmm. episode was a Seven of Nine episode. Mm-hmm. Mixed with the Next Generation cast's general dislike of the film Nemesis. Whether or not that was valid or not, clearly you disagree, but yeah. So yeah, that's happened. So that initially the cast are just doing like talking heads about how it just didn't work. They tried to make it sexy and young and it just it bombed, etc. So after that happened, there was a major Hollywood movie reboot of the franchise, which again, we'll see some clips of. Mm-hmm. And obviously this is basically just a version of Star Trek 2009. Uh, so I was thinking you could have some footage of some guest stars in this. So you could have footage of Ryan Gosling playing the Chris Pine role as Captain Taggart. Sure. It's like a sexy, a sexy version of um, Tim Allen. Benedict Cumberbatch, I think, could play the Alan Rickman character, the Doctor uh, Lazarus. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, wearing yeah. the same headpiece, but obviously a more modern version that looks mm. a lot more realistic. Uh, and then I thought Brie Larson as Lieutenant Tony Madison, the Sioni Weaver character. Oh yeah, that works really well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Sam Rockwell in this, or Sam Rockwell's character? He is. We'll get to him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, well, then yeah, I'm not going to go through every character, but yeah. So, and also we'll, we'll discover that this 2009 reboot actually brought back Dr. Lazarus, the original Dr. Lazarus, i.e. the Alan Rickman character, mm-hmm. for a key role in the movie, mm-hmm. in the same way that Star Trek 2009 brought back Leonard Nimoy mm-hmm. for a key role in that kind of time travel yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, and kind of gave that character a bit of dignity, didn't it? It was like, I thought he was very good in that film. It was a nice touch. So I think we'll maybe use some CGI mixed with kind of, you know, found footage or lost fo- additional footage to kind of just show some very short scenes of Alan Rickman supposedly acting in... Mm. this very serious version of the film. Yeah. yeah. You know, 
all that stuff. So he gets his redemption. Like, you know, in the original film, he's, he's obviously very tortured by the fact that he's a serious actor and he's, he has to do, like, schlocky sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But he gets to revisit the character and actually give a real performance, much in the way that Leonard Nimoy got to come back and actually, you know... I thought he should have been nominated for an Oscar for Star Trek. I thought it would have been really nice. Do you think? Yeah, I thought he was really good in that film. I mean, he was fine. Just for coming back and for doing that and for... I don't know. Anyway, that's just my thoughts. Sure, yeah. But clearly you disagree. Yeah. But anyway, so he gets his redemption, he makes peace with the character... And then he won respect as a serious actor and had a successful career on the stage right up until his unfortunate death. Then we're going to see through this mockumentary, Tim Allen's character, J- Jason Nesmith, the actor, did not get invited back to the film. Mm-hmm. Much in this way that William Shatner was not invited to be in Star Trek in mm-hmm. 2009 or any of the subsequent ones. Yeah. So uh, it's an Alexander Dane tribute, so he has to act like he's, you know, respects his co-star, etc. But he's actually terribly, terribly bitter about this. <laughs> yeah. And we'll see some stuff about how his career basically flatlined after Galaxy Quest was the re- the reboot was cancelled. So we'll see a montage of all the poor career decisions that he made over the years. Mm-hmm. So there'll be like a terrible cheesy sitcom that flops. There'll be some really awful adverts like where he's promote using his celebrity to promote terrible stuff. And there'll be him releasing a really terrible jazz album. <laughs> Have you seen the footage of William Shatner like singing? No, I've not. Oh, there's some good stuff. There's some very good William Shatner singing mm-hmm. footage some really good like he, he does a cover of Common People by Pulp which is quite something to behold yeah sure yeah uh, and of course his version of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds by the Beatles is legendary <laughs> picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies somebody calls you answer quite slowly a girl with kaleidoscope eyes yeah and then we, we go to Sigourney Weaver's character Gwen since the reboot ended she's been doing kind of bit parts in TV and film peaking with a recent three episode arc as a cannibalistic hag in The Walking Dead it's <laughs> <laughs> so a little nod to um, what's her face Crosby Denise Crosby Tasha Yar when, mm-hmm. when she cropped up in The Walking mm-hmm. Dead for yeah, the yeah, episodes. Yeah. why because like she could have had a really big part in Walking Dead, and she would have been great in that. But why give her such such a small part? Could she have had a big part? Well, I mean, they just wrote her in in the way that she was just killed off very quickly. Yeah, but I mean, that's the most. What else have you seen Denise Crosby in, in the past like twenty years? I don't know nothing, but like, <laughs> it would have been nice. Yeah, sure, but it didn't happen, give her a break. People yeah. know who she is. That's true. Yeah, but she's she's made a name for herself. I'm sure she goes to conventions. Yeah, oh, she absolutely goes to conventions. They all do, but mm. yeah, at least she's working. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred Kwan, the stoner one, Mm -hmm. he obviously, because in the original film, he falls in love with the female Fermian. Oh, yeah. Lahari, Lahiri, Lahari. So after that film happened, he actually married Lahari, Lailari, whatever she's called, and they had 17 alien babies, all of whom are half human, half tentacle mutant creatures. Mm -hmm. So there'll be just footage of him, like, chasing around all these terrifying, like, alien kids trying to keep them under control. Yeah. Tommy, the grown-up child star one. Mm Mm-hmm had a motor accident and is now paralysed from the waist down and now works as a celebrity spokesperson for wheelchair users. Okay. There's nothing funny about that. That's just what actually happened to the actor. It's very sad. Oh, right. Yeah, so I couldn't think of a way to make that funny, so I thought I'd just acknowledge it rather than not mention him at all. Sure. I mean, he still works as an actor. He's Mm -hmm. he's in some American crime show, but he is wheelchair bound now, so... Sad. Shame. Yeah, a lot of people after this film, yeah, things didn't go so well for them. Anyway, let's move past that one. It's a bit depressing. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to just ignore him, though. Last but very much not least, Sam Rockwell, guy, struggled to find more acting work after the show ended, and he wound up joining the cast of a reality stunt show, 
kind of jackass meets punk kind of style, like mm-hmm. an MTV kind of stunt show, where he's forced into life-threatening situations on a weekly basis. Um, so there'll be lots of funny footage of him just like freaking out and just having to like parachute and skydive and run with bulls and just all kinds of things. Because obviously his whole thing is his fear of being killed off. So I just yeah. thought that'd be quite funny. So yeah, so the first half of the show is just all talking heads with mm. them just paying tribute to Alexander and just reminiscing about the past and catching up on where they are now. And then we find out that the documentary also exists to promote the new reboot of the original series, mm-hmm. which is obviously basically a Star Trek Discovery style 21st century reboot of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after they've done their whole talking heads bits, the second half finds them visiting the set of this new show to kind of pass the torch and meet the new cast. Yeah. I also think like the host of this show should be played by George Takai, just as a little nod, mm. just a funny little reference. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. So they're they're now visiting the set of um, Galaxy Quest Recovering or something. Mm -hmm. And Galaxy Quest found it. Galaxy Quest found it, yeah, sure. Let's just cross over our sequels. (laughs) And because Tim Allen's character is Jason Nesmith, he's a bit of an old chauvinist. So he's thrown into some kind of uncomfortable situations when he meets the new captain, who is a staunchly feminist black woman who does not appreciate his sexist jokes and overt flirting at all. So, I'm thinking it'll be like a bit Kirby enthusiasm slash the comeback kind of, mm-hmm. you know, awkward cringe humor. Mm-hmm. Gwen is delighted to be told by the actress who now plays the comms officer that she's considered like a feminist inspiration to her. Mm-hmm. But she becomes very annoyed when she realizes that this younger model gets to lead away missions, fight hand to hand and wear a practical uniform. So she gets all the, all the roles she couldn't have. Yeah. And she actually gets into trouble, Gwen, when she advises the young actress that if she just unzips the top of her command jacket a little bit, she'll get more screen time. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody appreciates that. Uh, Fred, Fred Kwan, the stoner, who is married to Lilari, has uh, become quite strained over the years with, with their 17 kids, you know. Mm-hmm. He's quite stressed out. The, the spark has gone. He develops a huge crush on the token alien cast member, whose prosthetics are a lot more realistic than they were in his day. So there's going to be lots of scenes of him just kind of following her around, looking really stoned, asking if he can, like, feel her tentacles. <laughs> yeah. And Guy and Tommy, the grown-up child star, and Sam Rockwell, mm-hmm. they discover that their characters are now same-sex lovers, mm-hmm. which they try to be cool with in front of the cameras, but actually they get very super paranoid about. And they're like, it's not like I've got a problem with it, but why my character? Did they think I was playing it gay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a little nod to George Takai getting pissed off when they made Sulu yeah, Gay yeah. in the new franchise. And also just this, yeah, just, just general, you know, a little bit of gay panic. And Guy becomes even more annoyed when he learns that his character is actually going to be killed off in episode four to create dramatic tension. Aww. So, yeah. So basically, yeah, we just follow them, following the new cast around, you know, getting more and more miffed about, you know, all these 21st century tropes that have been included in, in their show that mm-hmm. they don't really understand because they're a bit old and not PC. Mm-hmm. And eventually they're asked to leave after they manage to offend everybody in the new cast. And the documentary ends with them back on the convention circuits, you know, getting constantly overshadowed by the new generation of glitzy Hollywood sci-fi stars, but still insisting at the end of the day, their show will always be the best version of the show. Because, you know, they'll be like, well, you know what? It just doesn't have the same magic anymore. You know, I'll show out the magic. It'll be, it'll be all that. So, and, uh, and they wouldn't want to be in this new version anyway. Mm-hmm. And then it'll just end. So, yeah. Yeah, not really a sequel, just like a glimpse into the life of, you know, what happened next. Oh, not really a sequel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, how dare you? I know. Well, this, we, neither of us really came up with a valid sequel this week. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, sure, whatever. Look, I think there's value in both of our ideas. They could both exist yeah. in the same... Yeah, they could basically be... They're basically the same idea, so... Yeah. Well, no, no, I'm like... We've both done a sequel that don't conflict with each other. Yeah, exactly. It could all run concurrently. You did the films, I did more of a TV vibe, but yeah. You did yeah. the TV too, but yeah. mine was more focused on the TV and yours. Did, did, did you listen to mine? I did listen to yours. I listened to every word. I was on tens of hooks. Hmm. Anyway. Right. Listener submissions? 
Yeah, sure, whatever. Cool. <laughs> Is that your feelings now? <laughs> After you put such hard work into this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, so, listener submissions. We had some good ones. Uh, ben Stevens said... The obvious one is to flip it so they bring a group of aliens back to Earth and have them appear on the TV show, which it turns out is just as difficult. So the aliens are coming back and rather than take the humans to their planet, the aliens are now having to act on a TV show. So it's just a flip of the storyline. Mm, yeah, yeah, aliens sure. Aliens are having to learn how to act. Yep, okay. yep. Drew Mancini says, one where we bring Alan Rickman back from the dead so he can be in it, but where we pretend that Tim Allen is dead so he doesn't have to be in it. <laughs> that was kind of a running theme because I don't even know, but Tim Allen in real life, not a very nice person. Really? But allegedly, mm. he's he's made a lot of dodgy statements about basically liking Trump and being a bit. He's a bit of yeah. an old, yeah, sure, an old right winger. Unfortunately, Andrew Leifring says Sam Rockwell just gets to Sam Rockwell around for one hundred minutes. <laughs> Lauren Kelly says inexplicably replace Tim Allen with Tom Hanks and let the Buzz and Woody rivalry be resolved. Long live Woody, all caps. <laughs> Jim Harper gave a very logical answer. He just said Galaxy Quest Two. So. Like, I mean, the logic is irrefusible, so yeah. sure, yeah. Sean Payro said, Look who's galaxy questing now. Ross Ede says, The original cast has been missing from Earth for a decade plus as they have been off fighting other space aliens for the species that built them their ship. During this time on Earth, the show has been rebooted and a new ship and a next generation of crew has been uh, cast. Mm-hmm. An evil alien race kidnaps the next generation cast and gives them their own ship to fight and destroy the original crew. So the next generation are angry for never being as beloved as the original crew or some such bullshit, and they fight. Only to come together at the end to destroy the evil aliens. So it's just a bunch of stuff about different generations of Star Trek and rivalries. Sounds like the better version of both of our ideas. Yeah, pretty much. Damn you. Damn you, Ross. False Starts Podcast, at False Starts Pod, says, I'd like a sequel that plays with the Prime Universe concept, like the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. Galaxy Quest cast meeting alternate universe versions of themselves, and they're all younger, hotter, and more Mm action-packed. Mm-hmm. Soiled Rest Cinema, at Signals underscore of underscore Fury. Grabbing Grabfar's Hammer, Standard Gay Alien Porn. <laughs> uh, Blokebusters, at Blokebusters. Personally, I think it would be funny to see a short film with the ongoing adventures of the Fermians. I'm envisioning a film like Star Trek Into Darkness, but with a crew all acting like Mr. Bean. Mm, yeah. They were quite Mr. Beany, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. So maybe Rowan Atkinson can play the villain. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's just remove the humans, just have a whole series or film about the, the Fermians. Yeah. Could be fun. And finally, Cinema Recall at Cinema underscore Recall said, hey, wait, didn't Black Mirror already do this? <laughs> yeah, okay. We did sure. mention that, but yeah, USS Callister, I guess, has similar. I think Galaxy Quest is better than USS Callister, but I thought they were both good. Uh, the Black Mirror one wasn't quite the same as this, though, because it wasn't based on, like, there was a TV show and here's what the, the actors are doing now. True, true, true. It was more like, yeah. But it, it had it, some... It, it's, more, it's more like there's a guy inspired by Star Trek. Sure, yeah, yeah. Who's built a game or something and now he lives in it no, yeah. I, I, I don't know yeah but I mean it's still played with some Star Trek cliches basically of course yeah, yeah. so there's our sequel ideas for this week so thank you guys mm-hmm. all very good stuff if you have a sequel idea for Galaxy Quest or any films we've done in the past please let us know we are Beyond the Box Set you can find us at beyondtheboxset.com our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms including iTunes Stitcher Acast Spotify and Podbean you can find us on social media at uh, Twitter Instagram Facebook Tumblr just search Beyond the Box Set you'll find us and if you would like to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash beyond the box set to become a patron supporter. We'll very much appreciate it. And we have merchandise available on tpublic.com. Just search beyond the box set again there. And so next week, mm-hmm. as I mentioned earlier, we have another guest episode. It's our, another Patreon special. So we are going to be joined by Julio from the Contrarians podcast. And he has suggested a film that I've never seen. Have you ever seen? Called That Thing You Do. 
I've never heard of it. I mean, I mean, I, I've known known about it before this recording right now. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I've never heard of this film. No, well, it's a movie written and directed by Tom Hanks. Yeah. Also starring Tom Hanks. Oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about it. I think it's going to be an interesting one. So uh, please join us next week for That Thing You Do. Brilliant. All cool. right. See you later. See you later, guys. Bye. <laughs>